Welcome to the Jam Broberg Show, where we expose the truth about child sexual abuse, rape, assault, and trauma. Everything you hear on this show is for informational and educational purposes only. We do not dispense therapy or give legal advice. This show is not for children. I'm Jam Broberg. Let's get started. I want to talk to you a little more about what happens if a child or a tween or a teen discloses something to you and how you might um, react. And last time we talked about the fact that staying calm is very important because, let's just recap, the fact is if you uh, show upset or, you know, let's say that you you scream something like, no, that can't be true. Or, or you just even go, huh. Even that, that much scares or frightens the person who is disclosing off. And especially if they're a young person. Now, it can happen with adults too, where that upset is something that now the person disclosing has to manage. They have to manage your upset, your sadness, your horror, your disbelief. And it's too much. So a lot of times they just won't continue to talk to you about it. They'll just be like, oh, never mind. This is way too uncomfortable. So that's what we talked about on the last uh, solo episode that I, that I was doing. And I want to continue on this, um, on this very subject because it's so important. So the next thing that I sort of mentioned and I want to go into more detail about is that You have to give the person who is disclosing to you the belief. Being believed is the most important thing if you want the person to keep talking. If you want to help them most, you will give them the benefit of the doubt. You will believe what they are saying. You will listen with intent and with empathy to what they have to say in a calm manner, and you will let them continue to talk. Don't take over the conversation. Don't try to fix what has happened. Don't try to tell them what to do. You are just there to listen with empathy. You can do that by how your facial expressions are, the concern in your eyes, the nodding of your head, in the agreement. You know, don't shake your head, no, no, no. Shake your head, yes, yes, yes. I am listening. I am hearing you. I am believing you. It can happen with how you nod your head and how you intently look at them with empathy in your eyes. And that will do more for the person disclosing to continue to talk to you than anything else. Now, if what they have to say is hard for you to believe, because it might be that they are disclosing about someone that is already close to you, someone you already trust, someone you already love, this happens almost all of the time, because this is the kind of abuse that we still cannot wrap our heads around. We do not believe first, we usually disbelieve because it's someone 
that we know, that we already trust, that we already love, or it's somebody that's a family member or a clergy or a favorite school teacher. I say these things over and over again because the message is so important to get that into the fabric of how we listen to people who are talking about something that is so hard for them to talk about and to disclose about. And if you do not give them that benefit of the doubt, that that trust in your eyes, in your empathy, in your body language, then they will shut down. So as we continue on to, you know, basically the next, the next step, which is to reestablish their safety, because most of the time when somebody's been violated, whether it's through inappropriate touching, molestation, you know, rape, incest, any of the things that I talk about, they are in a state of complete, of, of complete feelings of being unsafe. They are not in control anymore. So that really is the third piece of this is how do you reestablish that safety? Well, first and foremost, you establish safety in how you are responding, responding and reacting to what they're telling you. You are making them safe by your reaction, by the way that you hold your body, by the way that you nod your head and that you open your, your body up to them instead of closing it off by, by folding your arms or like reacting body language-wise in a way that would make them think they're not believing me. They, they, they don't like what I'm saying. These body language cues are so strong. It's how we know when we walk into a room which people at the party we can talk to and those that we feel that we can't. There is a body language going on that is like a subconscious language that is always happening. Like it's like the 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 robot inside of you that is, you know, taking all the data in by how somebody is holding their hand and holding their eyes and holding their body. And you you absorb without even realizing it in the conscious mind, you you do it subconsciously. And that data that's coming in tells you if if this person is safe, this person that I'm telling, this really hard thing to talk about and to tell someone if they believe me. If they don't feel believed, they will not continue to talk or they may even go so far as to recant their story, to to literally say, oh, I'm, I, I think I overreacted or I made it up or maybe, I mean, I was just, it was my imagination. I mean, sometimes kids will say things like that and that just is the is exactly what you don't want to have happen. So first of all, you don't ask them a question about, well, what were you wearing? You don't ask them a question, well, why were you out until three in the morning? You don't ask them a question about, did you smoke pot? You don't ask them any questions like that. Nothing, nothing, nothing that could give them the slightest hint that maybe it was their fault or that maybe you don't believe them because what happened to them was somehow because of something that they did or didn't do, some, some way they were dressing, some way they were, were conducting themselves, that this is not the time. Hey, everybody. I just, I just had to take a minute because I want to talk a little bit about our online community, Thrivivors. Um, I always had the feeling it would be really cool and that it would be helpful, but I had no idea how amazing it is to be in a safe space with fellow survivors, where you feel like you can talk about anything without any judgment, where you can have, you know, your worst day and need to express things about a big disappointment, or you have a breakthrough day 
and something that just finally made sense to you on your healing journey and you're able to go forward. I'm more than thrilled with what the members at Thriveivers are already talking about and what they're saying and they're sharing their stories and it truly is changing their lives and changing my life. I can't believe how much I've been missing by actually not having a group of fellow survivors in my path. There's so much to be learned on the journey from each other and from that support or you're completely safe. I hope that you'll come over and join us and just know that we have survivor stories that we share every week. We also have amazing experts like social workers, therapists, uh, memory experts, people who have created programs for healing because they were survivors too, and now they've gone down that path and that journey, and now they're sharing what they know with all of us. And it just becomes this wonderful, amazing um, experience. And I really want to encourage you to come and join us. And, you know, we'll never charge more than a dollar a day for your own health and healing. I think that's pretty reasonable. That'll never change. And if you can't afford a dollar a day, tell us what you can't afford. Nothing come anyway. We want all survivors to have a safe place to begin their healing journey and to be supported on that journey. So please just come. It's free right now for your first month, no matter what, and it can stay that way for as long as you need it to. And then when you feel like, oh, okay, I could throw in a five or a 10, I'll do that just to help us continue the platform and to continue having all of these amazing guests and speakers as well as to just encourage the whole community in a way that probably you've never experienced before. It's pretty incredible. I can't wait to hear from you. I want to hear your story. So please go to our link in the show notes and find us at Thrive Ivers. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. I cannot adequately explain to you guys how vitally important therapy has been for me throughout my life. At times, it has been what keeps the 10% of my life, which is filled with challenges and trauma, from festering and becoming 20% or 30% or 50% and so on. Therapy has literally saved my life. It commits you to your own mental health, and it has a physical impact on you as well. So when your mental health is good, your bodily health improves. I'm telling you that at BetterHelp, you have an opportunity to do the easiest pathway to a therapist. You can chat with them. You can have a video session. You can text your therapist. It's immediate. You don't have to drive anywhere, and they will match you with a licensed professional. And if that doesn't work out, it doesn't feel like a fit to you, you can change it anytime for no additional charge. It's more affordable than traditional therapy, and it's easier than traditional therapy. When you feel better... Mentally, because you've been seeing a therapist like I have throughout my life, you'll know why you have committed that time, that money, that space. So hopefully you'll go to BetterHelp, use our link, betterhelp.com forward slash my name, J-A-N, and that will help out our show. It will help you. Plus, if you sign up from our link, you get 10% off your first month. I'm telling you, it's so much more affordable than traditional therapy. And it's also so much more immediate because you can do it from the palm of your hand. I know that for a fact. I've used them myself. This is not the time for that kind of questioning, that kind of advice. 
that kind of fixing. This is a time to listen. If you want to uh, ask a clarifying question, you can do that. I talked a little bit about that last time. A clarifying question is something where you don't guide the answer like how you expect them to answer, but just, could you tell me more about that? Could you tell me a little bit more about, you know, when that happened or what time was it or where were you? Those are clarifying questions that are okay to ask because if you do a leading question like, um, well, did he, did he put your, you know, his hand like close to your breast on the side of your body or, or was he trying to put his hand up your shirt? You know, if you try to lead the conversation about those sorts of details, the person will most likely feel too uncomfortable, you know, telling you those things. When people talk to you about details like that, it's when they feel completely at ease and comfortable, which is why so often when someone is interrogated after a rape and whoever is asking the questions has not been trauma-informed, have you know, hasn't been taught some of those things, or they themselves already have a bias that this person's probably lying because of the way they were dressed, because of the party they were at, because blah, 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 blah. Instead of just listening with empathy and, and being quiet and not asking somebody to, to tell you their story in any particular order, don't do that either. Don't ask people, well, what happened first and then what happened second and then third? People that have been through trauma do not remember things in that kind of an order. Like, you know, when you ask somebody the, the who, where, what, why, when, how, that sometimes will distract them from the ability to just share organically with the thoughts and the memories as they're coming to mind. Because people don't talk in a sequential order about any experience. You know, when they caught the big fish, they may start with the big fish and it was a, this kind of fish. And then they'll go back and talk about, oh, and the waves, how that was going. And then what kind of bait I put on the hook. And then they'll talk about how they tied the fly and they learned how to do that in school and they did took this class. And then they'll go back to the fish. That's how people talk. And if you just listen with maybe a clarifying question here and there, that person will most likely continue to talk. And, and over time, giving them your time and your attention and your empathy, they will express the majority of things that actually happened and how they happened and when they happened and, and all and where. But if you ask them those questions pointedly, then they will get lost in their own story, in their own telling of their story, and try to give you the answer to your question. And then all of a sudden, they've lost their flow. So really important, believe what the person is saying, especially young people. They're already scared um, to talk about such things. They're already embarrassed to talk about such things. Anything to do with their body is an embarrassment. I mean, you know, that's why we make up all these other code words. You know, I know one young person that's close to me in my life that couldn't call a bra a bra. No way. That was just way too personal and and almost nasty sounding. So, you know, we make we made up a different term, you know. 
you know, for the unmentionables. <laughs> Have you got your unmentionables packed for our trip? <laughs> and so, you know, that's why we come up with these other words, because because for whatever reason, you know, especially those 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 young teens and those tweens, they're very already naturally in their development, they're already embarrassed. So so do try to just let them talk and don't try to fix it right now. That's not what this moment of disclosure is about. It's really important you don't show your relief at something you say, oh, good, I'm glad that didn't happen. No, don't do that. It's not a relief to them that something did or didn't happen. It's their story. It's them telling you what happened. Don't be disapproving about something they say or how they say it. Critical of their language. Maybe they swear as they're telling you the story. That's not a time to show disapproval for swearing. It's not a time to show a disapproval for an answer to a clarifying question that they give. Um, it's really, really supremely important that anyone who is trying to disclose to you, whether they are an adult and they're your friend, or they're a child, or they're a, a, a parent, you know, or somebody that maybe is a friend of the family, but not necessarily maybe your closest friend. It's important how you respond to this disclosure that will help them be able to get the story out, which then emboldens them to maybe disclose what's happened to the authorities. They gain experience in talking about it. Getting the story outside of their body is going to give them more confidence just because you listened, just because you didn't disapprove or show relief or ask a leading question and then see how they, if they actually gave you the answer that you wanted or they didn't. So if they detect that there is pain in you and huge upset or just any kind of upset in you, no matter the ages of both parties, the one receiving the story and listening, the one that's telling the story, they will try to immediately protect you because you're the one now in pain. It shouldn't be like that. When someone is disclosing, it is not your time to show pain, discomfort, disapproval, um, upset. All of those things are this moment in time is not for you. It's for them. And you will embolden them. You will give them more courage just by listening and believing them than you can possibly imagine. And then next time, we're going to talk about how you reestablish their safety because obviously they are not in control. They feel unsafe. And we'll talk more about how you can help them get back to that safe place where they might be able to then disclose to someone who could actually take action. And that might be you, but it also is another step in this process of disclosure. All right, thanks for listening. My dog is ready to jump up here on my lap. So come on up, Toby. We're done with this particular, um, this particular point. So thanks. We're trying to, uh, we're trying to really Make sure that that person in your life who might trust you, that you know how to respond and you know how to do the things that will actually make a difference in this particular um, abuse either being handled um, 
healed from. You are an important person because you just listened and believed the story. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today's episode. Thank you for sharing this journey with me today. If you're enjoying the podcast, please take a couple of minutes to rate and review the show. This really helps us spread the word. And if you know someone who would benefit from listening to our show, please do me a favor and share one of our episodes with them. I want every survivor to know that they are not alone and that there is help available. Links to my website, our foundation, the new book, our online community, Thriveivers, a newsletter can be found in the show notes. All of my contact info is there as well. This year, my number one focus is on sharing our stories. This is so important because it's the launching pad to our healing journey, and it inspires the survivor who is still suffering in silence. I don't want anyone to suffer alone anymore. So please reach out. I want to hear from you. Until next time, my friends, this is Mama Jan signing off, over and out on two.